entangle us. Let's not worry there's an anxiety. We read the headlines. We hear about officers being killed. We hear about officers killing other people. We see the politics. We see all this stuff. And it can cause a lot of anxiety to say, Lord God, what's going on in this world? And then we say, but God, your peace is in me. And to wherever I go, your peace will go with me. Here's my heart, Lord. Jesus is calling us to this life where we take off our grave clothes. That old way of living, those are your grave clothes. And he says, I've set aside for you a divine wardrobe. And this is what I want you to wear. No, you will live better together when you have humility, gentleness, and patience. Your marriage will be better if you are known for your humility, your gentleness, and your patience. These are the qualities God said. Paul, write them down. These three I want my people to have. It's possible that in our hearts we we don't see each other as one. And when we do that, we start to speak poorly, unwholesome, rotten words. And what it's doing, it is, it's just not going to stop. The kindness of God, for me, led me to repentance. The kindness of me may lead someone else to repentance. So I've put away bitterness. I've put away slander. I've put away anger, wrath, and blasphemy. I've put away all those things, and I've become a kind person. I'm the kind of person, then, that is in a position to forgive others. Jesus forgave you like you're called to forgive others. You see, there's this idea that when we forgive someone or something, there's a cost to it. Someone pays a cost for our forgiveness. If we choose to forgive them, we actually take on the cost, right? Because we're letting them off the hook. If we choose not to forgive them, we're putting the cost on that person. We're saying it's your fault, I'm the victim, you deserve to carry this cost. Jesus doesn't offer either solution. He says, I will take the cost. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes our spiritual eternity and our future, but he changes everything about the way we would live our lives here as well. God, when he remakes you and he becomes your identity, truth is the thing which marks you, and it's the way that we communicate to one another. Have that strong conviction, but be gentle with people as you are expressing that conviction. That's how we can be better together because we need to be truth tellers, but we need to be loving in the way that we express that truth. We who believe in the unity of the body of faith, who stand on that, we better live in that. We are the church. I'm going to read it again. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one in the body of Christ. We're all together. We are all saints. Put on. We're putting on the spirit together. We're putting off the bad. And we're putting on the new, which makes us one body. Grace has been given to you. So when you talk to one another, remember that grace has been given to each one of you as you come together under the one true God. God says every single day, you need to have my armor because I'm telling you, there are enemies and they're going to battle you. We get on 
our armor. We get ready, right? You have your breastplate of righteousness. You got the sword. You got your helmet. You got your shoes, right? Everything's ready for battle. But there's something different for us as Christian soldiers, in a sense, is that we go to the battle line and imagine this scene that you have all of this army of Christian soldiers and they're out and face to face, ready to run into battle. But that Christian army, before they pull out the sword, before they run and start screaming, imagine an army that just drops down to their knees in prayer. We need to be a body where truth in love builds one another up because we are members of one another. We grow that way. And this whole better together theme, we want it individually, we want it corporately. I want to be strong in terms of connecting with God and others. I want to be strong in growing in my faith. I want to be strong in reaching Orange County in the world for Jesus Christ. We need balance in all three areas to work better together. That's a worthy calling. And that's what we're invited into. We make the most of every opportunity to make Jesus be seen and for people to believe in him. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, I believe that it's been a great, a great series for us, a great series for me as I've learned and grown in how we can really do this thing of being better together. And, and today, what we want to do with this as we, as we close this out, we'll look at the last few verses, but we're also going to have a chance to, to recap a bit or just to give us a challenge as we go out of this because we are not just called to be better together so that we can come and feel comfortable and feel safe together and to have like a nice time of mutual encouragement and all of that. We're called to do that and to grow up so that we can go out, so that we can be on mission with our lives. And that's why today we're saying, together we go. We are together, but we're not just together. We're together so that we go. We go out and we see how we can impact this world through the power of Jesus Christ and for his name. And uh, I'm excited for us as we look into this a little bit more today of how we can actually do that. So let's look at, grab your Bibles, grab Ephesians, turn to Ephesians 6. We'll look at 21 to 24. These last few verses here of the the entire letter that we have. Paul has has been writing to them and Paul is then going to conclude with these words here. He says, But that you also may know about my circumstances... How I am doing. He's been telling them all this stuff. You got to do this. You got to do that, right? Like, you got to know this. It's going to be helpful to know that. But you got to know how I'm doing too. Because Paul is writing this letter from prison in Rome. So Paul's in prison. Paul's been a great friend to these people. He's ministered to them for years. And uh, he's been part of that community in Ephesus. But now he's in prison. So they're just, what's going on with you, Paul? Right? They're hearing all this stuff. But they want to know what's going on. And he says, so, uh, so that you may know about my cir- circumstances, how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. 
All right, so as we look at these, we're going to look at the, this passage and look into some of the challenge it has for us to be better together, but also how uh, we can just live out this whole thing and be reminded of some of the stuff that we've learned through this series. So this first point that I have for us is this, that we must know each other well to change the world together. If we're called to go out to change this world for Jesus, we have to know each other well. As he says, I've sent Tychicus for this reason, for this very purpose that you can know about me, to know about what's going on in my life. I want to know you. I want you to know me. We're going to be on this mission together. Because the thing is, is these believers, these people, that they, these early followers of Jesus, they didn't just sign up to kind of come to church and to hear some sermons and to be encouraged and, you know, just kind of just come here and, and, and learn some stuff. They signed up to change the world. They signed up to change everything, and they were going for it. And I think we're called to that as well, and sometimes we can get a little bit lulled to sleep. And Jesus wants to remind us, hey, we're better together. We know each other well. We care about each other across all these differences that we might have even in this room so that we can go out and change the world. We know each other well for that kind of purpose. And so that's why Tychicus is going to them. He's sharing with them more about what's going on with Paul. He's finding out more. He'll be able to respond, and Paul can know more about what's going on with them. And, and a lot of this, too, is that when we, when we think of knowing each other well, we want to, to know like the real stuff that's going on in each other's lives, not just sort of the, the perfect pretty version that we can put forth to the world, whether that's, you know, just through the smile we put on or through our social media, you know, that everything's fine, but it's really to get into knowing each other across all these different lines of differences. And we want to build each other up. It's all for a purpose. And even when you think about some of the things we've learned in, back into Ephesians 4, this building up of the body of Christ is for the purpose of going out. Ephesians 4.12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, so we're equipping one another. We're, we're, we're growing in our even knowledge of one another, building each other up for this purpose of serving God and going out and making his name known. And even uh, we looked at, at one thing in Ephesians 5 where it talked about worship in this way, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that we would actually somehow speak these words of worship to one another, to encourage each other, to build each other up. So we're building each other up and we're worshiping God and we're doing all of this as we are being challenged then to use that, to go, to go out in that kind of strength. It's easy to gather. It's hard to go. So as we gather and as we get to know each other well and we realize, huh, Maybe we are better together, right? Maybe, maybe we do actually appreciate the differences in each other. That's, that is like at one level it's challenging, but the next level that's even a bigger challenge is, okay, now let's go out together. Let's go out in that and to go out and to impact this world for Christ together. And so as we know each other well, we move beyond our areas of comfort in that, and then we want to go out. Uh, the next little area to, to look at in, in this passage is that I believe that we will experience comfort, peace, and love from being a family. Uh, he, he talks about here in, in 22 to 23, it says that, that he may, Tychicus, this guy, may comfort your hearts. Peace 
be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That we really are a family. This whole thing is family. This, it, it talks about being brethren. We are brothers and sisters. Okay, as we are adopted into God's family. God is our father. And together, we're brothers and sisters. So we're family. And that's what the Bible says we are. It says that we're family. And so when we say we're a church family, we want to be a church family. We want to even like, as we talk to newer people, hey, we want to welcome you into our family. We mean that because that's what God says that we are. And so as a family, we want to have that kind of closeness to one another. We also know that families don't just always, you know, have perf- they don't always perfectly get along. And that there's a struggle to that. But there's a closeness that even with my family where I might kind of blow up here or there, I'm going to defend my family. I'm going to stand for my family. I'm going to stand shoulder to shoulder with my family and going out. And, and for us then to be that family that, again, like I said, is going to make an impact for Jesus. And so when we think about, you know, these, these passages of Scripture in Ephesians, and we think about here, even in this verse, where it says, he's going to bring comfort to you. He's going to bring peace to you. There's a comfort and peace that we can provide for each other, that we can give to one another as we recognize that we're better together. And we show that kind of love to one another as we go. And, and we learned even through Ephesians 4, there's a bunch of passages that talked about, you know, uh, not lying to one another, not stealing from, an, from one another, working hard to, to support one another. It was uh, things like dealing with our anger, you know, not, not just letting our anger fester within us, having wholesome talk with one another. So there's a lot of this stuff where as a family, it's teaching us how to live? Like, how do we really develop this kind of community, this kind of family experience for each other? Because that's the whole better together thing. That's what we want for this church. And so that's why Paul is telling these people, and that's why we're learning the same stuff, is like, that's part of what a good, healthy family looks like. And then there's even this whole part in Ephesians 5.21 to 6.9 where there was this whole household code part, if you remember. We talked about husbands and wives. We talked about children and their parents. We talked about masters and slaves and just the way the, the household was to function. And so for us, as we consider how can we be a church family that's really better together, we learn from that, right? We learn that we are to be mutually submissive to one another, We learn that we're to sacrifice ourselves for the good of another. We learn that we're not to embitter each other, exasperate our kids, right? And that there's supposed to be respect and honor within that family. We learn that with this whole master-slaves thing, it's, you know, even when you think, maybe maybe you take that to employers and employees or some other uh, client relationship kind of stuff that we might have in our modern day. But no matter what we see Jesus saying, you know, he's saying, hey— Give up your power that you would have as master to be a servant. That's what I'm calling you to be. That's what a healthy family looks like. And so we're reminded of these things. We bring comfort. We bring peace. We bring love to one another to be that healthy family. Because to be that kind of—we have to become that healthy family together. And then we go out and we're presenting that kind of healthy family to the world. So that's the second thing. The third that I really think I want to spend the, the most of our time with today is this, that we give grace. That's really the point there. We give grace. 
We give grace for those united in this better together journey of loving Jesus. As we see in the very, very last verse of this whole letter. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. And what's interesting is if you even look at your Bible, if you look at verse, uh, or chapter 1, verse 2, he starts there, Paul does, he says, grace to you and peace from God. And then the very, very last verse of the whole letter, he says it again, grace be with you, right? So there's grace offered at the beginning, there's grace offered at the end. And, you know, you can look around, you can see in the book of Colossians, Paul never met the people of Colossae, but he starts his letter with grace to you. Paul knows the people in Corinth, these letters to the Corinthians, they're kind of getting it all wrong. And there's a lot of stuff that he disagrees with them about. But he starts that letter with grace to you. We give grace. We give grace to people that we agree with. And we give grace to people that we disagree with. We have a sense of, of grace for one another. If we're really going to be able to, to gather with all the ways that we're different, we have to be able to give grace to each other in the midst of those differences. We can't be knocking each other down if we expect to be together as we go, right? To be able to leave this place, to go out, to make an impact for Jesus in the world together, we can't knock each other down while we're here gathered in the safe place. So I want to encourage us in that, that we would have that kind of grace for one another, that we really are called to give grace to all people. And even, you know, I I think about even called to give grace to people whether they're in front of us or not. A lot of times it's easy for us to speak poorly about someone or to knock someone down when they're not around us. But when they're face-to-face with us, you know, we're, we're all, all supportive and loving. But let's be people that are honest and true in the way that we give that kind of grace. Even as an example, something to remember was a little video that we saw. Uh, and if you don't remember it, I'm excited for you to see it here. It's uh, a guy named Robinson Cano and the way that New York treated him. So check it out. Uh, tomorrow night, Robinson Cano, the former New York Yankee all-star second baseman, uh, returns to Yankee Stadium for the first time since he left for a 10-year, $240 million contract with the Seattle Mariners. Now, obviously, Cano's going to hear a a fair share of boos when he steps up to the plate tomorrow. And, uh, well, that could be jarring for any player. So that's why, uh, to get him used to it, we sent Robinson Cano out to the streets of New York (laughs) to get booed by actual Yankee fans. (laughs) But here's the catch. The fans thought they were just booing a cardboard cutout of Robinson Cano. (laughs) They didn't realize that the real Robinson Cano was standing right behind it. (laughs) Their reactions are pretty great. Check it out. Hi, I'm Robinson Cano, and I'm about to get booed by some Yankees fan. Are you a Yankee fan? Yes. Now, Robinson Cano is coming back to Yankee Stadium tomorrow night for the first time since becoming a Seattle Mariner. Are you going to boo him? Of course. All right, well, we have this picture of him right behind you, so whenever you're ready, go ahead and boo it as much as you want. Boo! You know what? You no longer welcome here. Bye. Try again. You no longer. Oh, oh, I do. How you doing? Now Robinson Cano is coming back to Yankee Stadium tomorrow night for the first time mm-hmm. since becoming a Seattle Mariner. Are you Are you going to boo him? I'm going to boo the out of him. Right. Well, uh, whenever you're ready, go ahead. All right. Give him your best boo. Boo! You suck. What else? 
That was awesome. Maybe try try it again. Should I try it again? Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Robbie? Welcome back to New York. Thank you. back, right? Yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> Are you going to boot him? Uh, you know, he won a World Series ring here, but he did leave for the money, so... Why don't you go ahead and give him as many boos as you want? Come on, Robinson. I mean, how many World Series titles do the Mariners have? Oh, come on, boo! You're better than that. You got a, a beard now? You're better than that. Boo! Ooh. Welcome back to New York. Thank you. Uh, whenever you're ready, go ahead and boo! Move. You should go home, boo! Try booing him one more time. Oh. <laughs> How you doing? Sorry, man. Are you going to boo him? Yes, I am. Boo! All right, well, we actually have this picture of him right behind you, so whenever you're ready, go ahead and boo him as much as you want. Boo, Robinson, you should have stayed here. Winners is in New York, not in Seattle. Try booing him one more time. Boo! Stay in Seattle. We don't need you in New York. Hey! How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Go ahead. Boo him as much as you want. Boo! Boo! Whoa! How you doing? Yeah, thanks good. for the boo. Yeah, well, I, 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 I won't boo you. I won't actually boo you. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be rooting for you to uh, play well, but not win. <laughs> are you going to boo him? Absolutely. All right, well, whenever you're ready, go ahead and uh, boom for as long as you want. Right here? Yep. Boom! 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 Come on, everybody. Boom! Actually, try one more. One more? Yeah. Oh, How you doing? Woo! Listen, about that, right? Here's what happened. <laughs> That's weird. Only in New York. Only in New York. I swear. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know if you noticed the, the word on the building behind them said grace. <laughs> uh, we give grace, you know, and I, I hope that, that we give grace to people, whether you know, they can see us or not. And I think Robinson Cano actually gave a lot of grace <laughs> in that situation. But we want to be those kind of people, right? We want to be people that, that give grace, that speak well of one another, that we build each other up because we do have a lot of differences. And we do have a lot of ways that we, we don't know each other or we shouldn't get along in normal life, right? But we would hope that we could be united together uh, both despite our differences and even in because of our differences that we can be united together. And it makes me think, you know, a little bit about the first century. And you think about the first century church and what life was like in this area of Ephesus. You know, it's maybe it's 50 years after Jesus is, uh, you know, has ascended into heaven. And he's left, they're on their own now. They've got the Holy Spirit and they're trying to do this. And so you've got a city like Ephesus and it has... You know, it's ruled by the Roman Empire, and they've got a bunch of different kinds of people. They've got these people that are these uh, noblemen and noble women, and these people have weird titles like decurion and uh, equestrian and all these sorts of things. You have soldiers, you have free people, people that were born free, and you've got people that became free. You have slaves. You even have ranks within slaves of these people who are, are, are lower-level slaves or sexual slaves or people that have been slaves and found some sort of honor in their household of some sort. You've got all these different kinds of people, people that are, that are merchants or whoever they might be. And, and they're in this town and 
You've got this guy then, let's say, this guy that he's a slave, he's a lower level slave. And he hears all this, what's going on, where, where Paul came, and we read about in the book of Acts, where he came to Ephesus, and he begins to preach the gospel, and other people are then sharing the gospel with people, and, you know, I mean, he even got into this, this crazy thing where there was a riot in the theater of Ephesus, where the city's revolting against him because it's going against their idols and the money that they're making and their, their idol-making business, and there's all this commotion, and maybe this guy asks his, his friend, who's a new follower of Jesus, what's what's going on? What's going on in our city? You know, what is the deal with all the riots? And the guy says, I got to tell you about, I got to tell you about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah. He's God. He's God himself, not just one of the many gods. He's the only God. And he came and he came to, to live life. Even though he was God, he came to live as one of us, like a, a actual human person. And he did, and he lived this perfect life. He actually never sinned. He never did anything wrong. He lived it all the way. And then he, he recognized that we have sin. God knew that we had sinned. We have iniquity in our life that, that separates us from God. This sin that has made it that we would spend eternity apart from God. Even an eternity in hell. And God didn't want it to be that way. So this Jesus didn't just live the perfect life. He died the perfect death. And he took all of the sin of all of us upon himself and that he paid the price, the cost of grace. He took all of that on him and he died. But on that third day, he didn't just stay dead. He rose again in power over sin, in power over death. And he's alive again. And then he ascended into heaven. And then we have the Holy Spirit now that, that helps us. And the guy, this slave guy, hears the, the gospel, the good news. And he hears... Yeah, yeah, that guy Paul even, he said it's, it's like a free gift. It's a gift that's offered that you receive. And he says, yeah, I want to receive that. I want to receive the gift of salvation and forgiveness. And he does, and he becomes this, this brand new little baby Christian follower of Jesus. And they say, okay, what, what we do is, is we meet at that, that noble person's house. We're all going to hang out at their, their house this weekend, <laughs> And we're going to gather and we're going uh, to hear some, some good things. We might sing some songs and then we're going to eat at the table together. And when we eat at the table, part of what we do is together is that we remember what Christ did when he died on the cross. We remember when we eat the bread that, that he gave his body for us. And when we drink the wine, we remember that he shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And the guy is kind of like, okay, but... But seriously, at the, at the noble person's house? The nobleman's house? Yeah, yeah, just come. It's all good. And so he, he gets up that morning and he goes to walk. And he goes to walk to that person's house. And he thinks, I'm not even supposed to be in this part of town. Like, is this okay? Like, how's this going to be? And he's nervous and he's afraid. And, he, you know, he knocks on the door. He knocks on the front door, not the servant slave door in the back that he normally would go in. And the door opens and he's kind of scared and he's... He's got his head down and he's, he's kind of sulking back because he's afraid. And they say, come on in, come on in. So he comes in and he goes to the corner of the room and, you know, he's, he's kind of hiding out in the corner and he's listening and he's listening to all these words. And as they, they talk about this grace, they talk about this forgiveness, they talk about Jesus as the Messiah. And then they again talk about the table and what the, the bread and the cup represent. And they say, now we're going to get up and we're going to eat this meal together. 
And so he just stays in the corner. He's kind of nervous still. And he sees in the room, he sees the, that nobleman patron of the house. He sees this matron of another great house of the city. He sees uh, a merchant. He sees some other slaves. And he's just kind of like, what is happening here? You know, what, what is going on? This is weird. We're not all supposed to hang out together. It's not supposed to be like this. But he's still afraid and he's still sitting back in the corner when the nobleman comes up. And he says to him, he says, brother, brother, you go first. And he's like, no, no way, I'm not allowed. This isn't for me. And that noble woman, she comes up to him and says, brother. And she puts her arm around him. And he's a slave. What? He's just like, this, is, this doesn't compute. This doesn't make sense. I'm not allowed to be here. And they all gather around him. You're a brother, don't you get it? We're part of a family together. You go first. And so he goes to the table, this lowly slave. It's a beautiful thing. It's an incredibly beautiful thing. And that was what was so revolutionary about the first century church. Is that people that had these radical differences... Differences that would fill you with fear for your life are now brought together under one roof and one table. And they're a family. Under one God, Jesus Christ. And because of him and what he's done. And that's how I want you guys to get this. When we say give grace, that's the kind of grace you're giving. It's not grace like, I'll put up with you if we do this together. No, it's brother, sister, I love you. You go first. We're in this together. We've got so many differences, but can we unite under one God together? I believe we can. Because that's the message of the gospel, right? That we're united under one God who has done that incredible work that has united us with the same spirit that we go out in together. The power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so even in this room, we might have so many people that are radically different from each other. You know, I think about the, the differences in a room like this. And, and, you know, there's even been that, there's that expression that they say Sunday morning is still the, the most segregated hour of the week or whatever. And that's probably true. Uh, and, and that's still true, although I, I think we're working on it, right? But uh, I also think that there's something crazy that happens in a room like this. That there are people that are so different from each other that are gathered here in this place that would never hang out together. But you're here together because of Jesus. And I think that we have to also recognize the, the beauty of that. But that we also recognize that that means there's going to be some hard work in that. Uh, because in this room, I just like thinking about a bunch of different things that could be. In this room, we have Republicans, we have Democrats, and probably some newly registered independents. Uh, we, have, <laughs> we have single, we have married, we have divorced, we have widowed. We have young, we have olds. We have all sorts of different families. Biological families, adopted families, step families. Couples that want to have kids but can't. Couples that have kids but wish they didn't. Couples, uh, <laughs> you know, and couples who are around all these families and determined to never have families. We've got introverts, we've got extroverts. We've got rich, we have poor, we have men, we have women, we have opposite sex attracted, we have same sex attracted, we have people that prefer hymns, we have people that prefer drums, 
We have people that wonder where the DJ's at. You know, I don't know. We've got people that are uh, all different ethnicities, black, Latino, Asian, Persian, Middle Eastern, Caucasian, Native American, all across this globe of ours. We have people represented from, from all different ethnicities. We have people that know things from books, and we have people that know things from working with their hands. We have upper class, we have middle class, we have lower class, we've got no class. We've got homeowners, we've got homeless, we've got inner city, we've got suburbs, we have abusers, we have victims, we have thin, and we have people that are working on it. We've got uh, those who are full of love and trust for Jesus, and those who are really struggling and doubting and having a hard time trusting Jesus. We have employed, we have unemployed, we have the morally upright and the morally suspect, we have healthy, we have sick, we have mentally ill, we have abled and differently abled. We have broken, we have self-sufficient, and we've got people who've walked with Jesus for 50 years, and we've people who've walked with Jesus for five minutes, and we've got people who just walked in this door and they don't know what we're talking about. That's, that's this room, you know? That's really this room, and that is both the beauty and the struggle, like in some ways the, the, the hard part of being the church is that we really are different from each other. And that difference is also what makes it a beautiful thing and what makes us effective in the world is through our differences. But I think we have to recognize the beauty of our differences for us to make an impact in the world for Jesus. So we give grace, right? We give grace for each other as we're on this journey of being better together. We've got to give grace in the midst of all of that. And, and recognizing again that it is that communion table that is the great leveler, right? That only sinners come to this table. Sinners saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And so since we've received that grace for our salvation, we also have received grace to live out that life, and we give grace to live it together. And I want to encourage us to give that kind of grace. So I want to have you just take a moment. And have you take a moment, grab your uh, outline if you haven't yet. There's a little bit of a space in the bottom of that front page just for us to, to answer this question, to think of, maybe just write down some names of people or these kind of groups of people who you feel like you've actually grown in. And then, you know, you actually feel like you can be better together with now. Maybe, you know, last fall you didn't feel that way, but you do today. Some, some victories that we have in this, some growth that we have. And then in the second part is just write some names or, or groups of people that could be you know, people that you feel like, okay, I, I haven't got there yet, but I hope to be. I hope to be better together with soon. It could be just a private thing. You're not going to necessarily have to show this to anybody or talk to anybody about. But just take a couple minutes right now to write some of those things down. Go for it.
continue thinking through uh, who that could be, obviously, and think through more, but just uh, hopefully you just had a chance to kind of process that a bit. And I know, like, for myself, I really feel like this past year has been a big growing year for me to understand some people that are different than me. And probably if you're Facebook friends with me, you're kind of like sick of hearing about it, actually. But um, is that—and I invite you to be—but it's something that I feel like I've learned from listening, you know? I've learned— and I've learned to understand people by listening to their experience. And I just encourage you to enter into that. To recognize how we can be better together with people that we don't know as well or we don't understand as well by listening to their experience. And then we can go out and make an impact on the world for Christ together. And so we got to be praying for that. we got to cross over those lines of comfort and awkwardness and all of that and, and get into being better together and moving forward as we go. And so we give grace. We give grace for each other as we all have this love for Jesus that is talked about as this incorruptible and undying love. Uh, this word that we see at the very end of that, that verse where it says with an incorruptible love, it's this word uh, that actually is used most times, almost pretty much every other time it's used in the Bible is translated as imperishable or undying. Uh, that kind of love in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about how this love of Christ is this undying love and there's this difference between the imperishable and the perishable. And, and we see that, that love being expressed in this just completely out of this world, incorruptible, undying way. And so we want to have that kind of love for Christ and that kind of love for one another. And so we give grace. We give grace so that we can be unified. We give grace so that we can be together in this. I love this passage, Ephesians 4, 4 to 6, as, as, uh, as Doug taught us through, as we saw in the video, where he said, there is one body, one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You got seven ones in the midst of that sentence, right? You've got all of this sense of us being all under one God, this one calling. We're just under God and our mission that he's given us, and we go for it together as one, unified. And Ephesians 4.16 even says that we're to grow up in all aspects into him, into God, who's the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So again, we see that unity is we all are united in our differences and we need our differences to come together. Every joint and every individual part comes together to be that single body making an impact for the world. Together we go. Not together we sit in here and then go to work all week and kind of forget about it till we come back next week. Together we go to make an impact for Jesus in this world. And so we, we go in that and we stand together in that, I would say through prayer. The last thing I just want to emphasize that, that, we kind of, that we emphasized throughout this whole series was these last few weeks was looking into the spiritual battle that takes place. And the armor of God, is, as it talks about in Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, and you, you, you have those illustrations of the armor of God that we saw in the video and that as even Matt talked about, where he talked about then what we see that army doing that has the armor of God, what they do is they drop to their knees. An entire army of people dropping to their knees in prayer. Because it is prayer, it is through prayer how we fight for one another. 
That is what we do. We pray. That is, our, that is our tool that we use to fight for each other and to lift each other up in that kind of prayer because it is a real spiritual battle. And we are in the midst of that battle. And so I want to encourage us to continue to pray and to pray hard. One thing that was really cool was uh, these right here that have been sitting up here. These are the prayer cards from last Sunday. I don't know if you were here last Sunday or not, but these are the prayer cards. There's something like 450 of them or something like that that were turned in. I know there was a bunch more filled out as well. But all these prayer cards, these were prayed through. These have significant needs as well as significant hopes and dreams of people in this room. And these prayer cards were turned in last week and they were prayed through this week through volunteers, through our staff, through our elders that were sitting and praying through these for you. We, we fight that battle together, right? So I want to make sure that we, we know that we're in it together. These are significant. This is pretty amazing to think about all of these needs, all of these hopes, all of these dreams, all of these struggles that these are being prayed through though. This is how we fight for each other is through prayer. And so uh, one thing that I want to recognize even right now is that there is going to be an incredible battle taking place this week through all of this fun and silliness that you see on stage with VBS. There's going to be a thousand kids sitting in these seats and there's going to be hundreds of volunteers with them. And you know, this event, VBS, is the, the number one, the single mo- like biggest way that we see the most people come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we aren't like all, hey, everybody that like feels Jesus, stand up, or if you want a candy bar. You know what I mean? We're not doing that kind of stuff here. We're getting serious. We're getting one-on-one with these kids. And it, we see so many kids come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I will tell you that Satan, the enemy, does not want that to happen. And that there is a fight happening over this in the heavenly realms, right? That there is something happening beyond what we can see that is a battle. And so what I want to do is I want to just encourage you and ask you to pray for that. I want to ask you to pray for this week for even that very thing that these kids would be able to hear the gospel. That throughout all the hype and all the stuff, that there, nothing would come in the way of them hearing the gospel of Jesus and responding to it. I ask you to pray for that. And you know what? I'm going to ask you, we're going to take a couple minutes right now. I'm going to ask you to pray now. And if you look around you, these kids are going to be sitting in the very seats you're sitting in. And even on the ends, you can see like on the ends, it's the, you know, yellow crew one or whatever, you know, and you've got all these and you've got these kids are going to be all around this room. And so I'd love for you to do is just pray, to pray for the seat you're sitting in, to pray for the seats around you. Just relatively, relatively quickly, but let's just pray for God to be working and for them to have eyes and ears to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, go for it.
Amen. Amen. I just have one closing thought here, and then we're going to pray, we're going to worship, we're going to sing, we're going to have a chance to respond at the stations to come forward and to, to come to the table and to participate in that table together as brothers and sisters as we remember what Christ has done for us on the cross, as we eat of the bread and drink from the cup, as we give our offerings, we give and we worship God, and as we go to these prayer points, come up to these prayer points and receive prayer for whatever you have going on in your life. But I would ask you to consider this as your prayer request today because it was the prayer request of Paul. It's just the verses that we talked about last week right before this passage. Paul says this. Paul says, Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That's his prayer request. That's what I want my prayer request to be. You know, I want my prayer request to be that I would be able to boldly speak with clarity the good news of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us and the free gift of salvation that he offers to each of us and the life that he has called us to. That we could have boldness as we go. Like, I pray that for all of us. Again, this prayer request isn't Together we gather, it's together we go. That this kind of prayer request says, I want to be an ambassador. I want to be known. We are unified in that. We pray, God, send me. Send me out to tell people about this incredible story of your love for us. And that's what we're united to do. That's our call. And so I pray that that's your prayer as well, that that's what your life could be about. Let's respond in that kind of way today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your incredible, incorruptible, undying love. That that love was personified in Jesus Christ. And we saw his example, Lord, of how to live. Lord, may we live as much as we possibly can like you, God. And may we have words to say to be able to explain the mystery of the gospel, Lord. May we be ambassadors. Lord, may we be bold when we speak of who you are. God, I pray that you'd help us to be united in that as we go. Lord, and I want to pray again a prayer here, Lord, for these seats in this room. I pray for the people that are sitting in them now, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would embolden and empower them. May your Holy Spirit fall upon them in a radical way today, that they may never be the same, that their lives would be different, and that they would look different to the world, and they would make your name known. God, and I pray for these precious kids that will come and sit in these seats this week. Lord, may they come to know you, and Lord, may they love you with an incorruptible and undying love, God. May they experience your forgiveness, your love, and your grace. And Lord, I pray against the enemy, and I pray that you would rid him, get him away from this place in any way. Lord, this space is yours, and we claim it for you, and we step into your authority as we minister this week, because we are not in a spirit of fear, but we go out and we minister to these kids in the power